podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. Celtic wrapped up the first section of the season with a 2-1 win over Ross County on Saturday, meaning we now head into the World Cup break with a solid nine-point lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership table. We're not back in action now until the 17th of December, but as we know, four of our players are off to represent the club at the World Cup, and we wish Cameron Carter-Vickers, Dyson Maeda, Josip Juranovic and James's mate Aaron Moy all the best out there. Muff, a good week for Celtic ahead of the break, but what's been your moment of the week? Hello Tino, hello James, hello dear listeners. Um, my moment of the week, um, in the positive, am I allowed a positive so, so It's only positive. Is it only positive? No, I go for it. You no, 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 because you just bear, the, bear with me. The mic is bear, yours. Bear, bear with me. Um, in a positive, it would be Dyson Maeda's touch and finish uh, at, for Park, uh, which turned out to be a very crucial goal. Um, I, thought, I thought it was just absolutely outstanding. Um, someone who comes in for a lot of criticism. Someone who, by our dear host, has been dismissed as not technical. I would say running at the speed he's running at and being able to take a ball first time and finish with his supposed bad foot is technical. Aye, very um, good. Wrap, wrap this up. Um, however, my negative has to be the, the outstanding events on uh, Saturday where Ross County keeper collects the ball, puts it down, then realises he's made a backside of it. Uh, and just picks the ball back up, and then it's then awarded a foul um, by David Munro, who is arguably the worst referee I've ever seen in my life. You know, it, it, it was it, for for how shockingly inept it was from the officials, and the fact that no other official got involved in it just to clarify what had happened in the situation. No foul had been awarded; it was just open play. Nobody was near him. He collected the ball, gathered it. I found it absolutely astonishing. That, that was allowed to happen in a professional football park. And the funny thing is, we've had so many VAR issues um, and they've played their part again on, on Saturday, but this wasn't VAR issues, James. This is just basic refereeing. This could go back to whenever, you know, just this is football for since the past, when the past by came in? Late 80s, early Bye. 90s. You know what I mean? Long time ago. Um, it just was that the referee realised what had gone on. He realised the keeper didn't mean it, but he'd done it. So it's an indirect free kick, but he's went, I'll just get a wee freak out, free kick out, and you go, there's a line of 10 yards away. There's a fourth official there to tell him exactly what happened. We we all knew what happened from the stands. Just ridiculous. But intense getting nothing to do with it in terms Absolutely. of the rules. You know, if you, yeah. if you turn around and volley somebody accidentally, you've got to get a free kick given. It's just completely obvious what's happened. And the ref just, I, I, mean, I would honestly love, I know we don't hear for referees, I would absolutely love the referee just to come out and explain what happened there. Just go, look, we know you've made a mistake. Just tell us what you thought happened and then why you did what you did. Just tell us. Yeah. yeah. Me and James were speaking to a mate as we left the ground and we were talking about, I'm sure most folk have seen the clip where it's a, an Australian referee and he's all wired up to his, his backroom team, his VAR officials. And it's such a breath of fresh air. It's so refreshing. I think the guy is now in the Premier League or, or the yes, Championship. Put the tweet in the show notes. For Absolutely. So I'll certainly share yeah. this. And it's, it's, apart from anything else, it's very entertaining to see how he communicates with his backroom team. Right, what did you see there? What, no, that wasn't a foul. That was a foul. And the transparency is just light years away from what we are seeing here. And if referees here have nothing to hide, then why why would you not open those channels of communication? Communication and that, make that a better question product. The tweet. If you if you don't want openness, transparency, and striving for excellence, why not? It it taps into also the 
the decision for Jota's goal on, on Wednesday night for the point of view of right, the camera wasn't available so just say that you went with the on-field decision just say that Aye. Yeah. If, if you say that there's no controversy just say camera wasn't the button couldn't get the right view we went with the on-field decision fine instead of sending the camera still for, you know I think that was up my mum's tower Aye. Um, to actually give the, the offset it's mad why make it so convoluted it's when you see the statements from the SFA during the week they're, they're tying themselves in knots to oh. try and give, give us a right answer somebody said is this the next doogie doogie you it know we remember the situation with Doug McDonald and that is a live situation by the way Celtic are dealing with it. I, I'd like I, to I think and so. hope so yeah that they're checking it out behind the scenes because it's it's just like they're, they're trying to fleece us if you get mistakes wrong and it's honest mistakes and you, you put your paws up that's fine this just feels like they're trying to I don't know too much cloak and dagger, smoke and mirrors, all those kind of things. As Matt O'Reilly says, you're trying, but we're still winning. Exactly that, exactly. That was good to see. Um, so James, um, I've said he's two moments of the week, which is pretty selfish, to be honest with you, and he's ate up a lot of airtime. What about yourself? No Aaron Moy to entertain you at the weekend, unfortunately. Not, he yeah. was rested ahead of the World Cup, but what's been your moment of the weekend, Celtic? Has to be Celtic related, yeah. Can't be some other game. Ah, it can't be like you had a great night on Saturday. It's, it's to be a bit can't Celtic. Can't be a off-street related. Can I? No. Ah, okay. Um, I'm going to surprise you, Miff, and it's not Aaron Moy, it's Aaron Moy's pal, David Turnbull. Mm-hmm. Same goal. You're my Ada goal. The ball from Turnbull. I just thought it was outstanding. Um, toss up between that and Haxabanovich's goal on, on Saturday in we, terms of the kind of excellence moment of the, the week. We, um, we now call him the bull. The bill, sorry. The bill. Yeah, yeah. And says so. I have to say, James, very magnanimous of you to be giving David Turnbull all the credit because you've been you've been shirking the boy for a long time. I'll call quality if I see quality. That's as simple as that. You could maybe take a wee lesson from that, Tino. Bit of humility. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've not changed my position on Moy and Turnbull and how I think they fit into this team and their pace, but he does have an excellent football brain. His technique that very few other players in the team can can deliver, and he did did it. Against Motherwell? Not, not to dwell too much just on, on the game in, in general, but I thought in the second half, the three midfielders in particular were absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You wouldn't just as a as a bonus moment of the week, you wouldn't like to give it to Celtic's new ball boy, uh, the young Jota. Portuguese Jota, who rescued the ball from the net after one each and restored it to play. <laughs> it just shows how much it means to him. He's, listen, he, he may well move on and transfer windows to come but right now right here he is all Celtic and it's great to see the enthusiasm from him yeah however long he, he spends at Celtic he'll never forget it the rest of his life he's got the bug for sure yep. yeah brilliant to see moving on to this week's uh, main topic so with the World Cup now upon us and Celtic on pause for around about four weeks we've decided to use this week's show to assess the season so far and to analyse what progress has been made during Angie's second season in charge to do that, we'll break up into four different sections. So to get started, we'll take a look at the results for the season so far. We'll then compare this season with where we were at the same stage last season, both domestically and in Europe. We'll then take a closer look at a couple of the more significant games and performances from the season so far, with you guys picking out what you think have been the most important games. And finally, we'll highlight some of the main men who've played their part in putting Celtic nine points clear at the top of the table. So to get us started, I'll give you some stats for the season so far, because I know Math loves a stat. So we'll run through a few things at the moment. Celtic have played 23 games so far in all competitions. So that's across the Scottish Premiership, the League Cup and the Champions League. As we know, we're clear at the top of the table. We're in the semi-finals of the League Cup for we'll face Kilmarnock in January. And we're now out of European competition for another season after finishing fourth in Group F of the Champions League. Overall, of the 23 games we've played, we've won 16, 
drawn two and lost five. At the moment, James, based on those numbers, you know, mixed opposition, <laughs> a range of competitions, but your initial assessment of those figures? Yeah, just looking purely at the stats is a wee bit misleading if you're looking at how do you assess this team's performance and its and its progress. Because even within those defeats, there was great progress and a lot for them to learn on. Speaking obviously about Europe, um, the only game we've you know dropped in the league in this last week period, just in the game we've lost. Um, that was just one of those days. Um, I think Ange learned a lot from that. Don't put six players, six changes on at once, especially if you're not going to put the double porridge midfield of Moy and Turnbull. The double porridge. You, you couldn't just let the Turnbull praise stay for too long. Balance, man. <laughs> the double porridge. How offensive. Um, no, it was, it was just too many changes and it was a slow midfield against a really motivated uh, St Man team as we saw on uh, Saturday there. They know how to get themselves organised and um, you know, the manager's doing a, a great job there. So that was just one bad day at the races. And, and back to it and we've been back to it and flawless since so I think there's a lot of progress what what I'm really enjoying is seeing rotation without any drop in standards whatsoever there's, you know when we were away at Leverkusen with Paul uh, last year our assessment of the game after was the drop between the guys who started the game and the guys who come on it was too vast that's changed <coughs> And I think that's going to tighten up further more in January and further more in the summer. Yeah, I think that night in Leverkusen, Albion Ayeti came on, for example. You know, just when you're struggling, you didn't have that that depth and that quality. Miff, the moment before we get into it in a bit more detail, just your general response on, on those results across the 23 games so far. Well, I think the the results are, are excellent, but it's more to do with the, the consistency and the level of performance as well, which is really the, the main barometer that the manager uses to, to judge the team. I think that the fans are coming around to that as well now. Um, th- the fact is that we, even if you look at it as, as, a, as a calendar year, because it would be accepted that about this time last year was the time we, we really felt we were starting to see something in terms of cohesion in the team. You know, the first 11 was really good and you, you felt the message that the, man- the way the manager wanted to play was, was getting across to the majority of the squad. Um, if you then fast forward that a year to now, to be sitting where we are at, at this point, bearing in mind at this time last year, I was happy being within 10 points of Rangers. Yeah. We're now nine points in front. So that, that just tells you everything you need to know. Um, what a job Andrew's doing. Yeah. Depending on cup progress in terms of where we get to in the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, Celtic will play something in the region of 52 games this season. And that's a fairly notable drop from previous seasons where we'd be closer to 60 games as a result of the Champions League qualifiers. So at this moment, 23 games played, we're not far off being at the, the halfway point, give or take. Um, and in terms of comparables between this season and last season, so we're 15 games in now after the weekend. So after 15 league games of last season, Celtic had 10 wins, two draws and three defeats, resulting in a points tally of 32. This season we sit 10 points better off on 42 points after 15 games, so sizeable difference. At this stage last season, we'd scored 31 goals from our 15 games to give us an average of 2.06 goals per game. This season we've scored 50, so an average of 3.33 goals per game. Despite the points difference, we had only conceded 10 goals after 15 games last season. However, we have conceded a few more and we've conceded 13 this time around, but Nothing to be worried about, I wouldn't say. So, Miff, we've won 14 out of our 15 league games this season and we're looking very, very strong there at the moment. Absolutely. Um, helped by the fact that there has been some disruption to the 
centre defensive partnership, but despite that, we've we've not conceded too too many more goals. Yeah, is that too many good? more? Yeah, too that's okay. More. Too many more. Um, you know, Starfield's been injured. Carter Vickers been injured. Um, Jens has been in and around the, the starting lineup. So for there to have been disruption and still have such a acceptable defensive record I, I think it's again testament to the structure of the team because it's it's not necessarily just about the centre half pair and it's how the team defends as a whole yeah. starting, with, starting with the guys up front so no I, I, I mean the, 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 number, the numbers speak for themselves but and we've cranked up the pressure on, on our rivals and I think that's now beginning to tell yeah it looks like it James you mentioned that loss at St Murn in September and I think I totally agree with you it looks like it's been a pretty valuable lesson for Ange in terms of squad rotation so he's still rotating the squad and very effectively but it's not five and six changes it's three and four changes and he's used the squad very smartly since that afternoon you can see that you know the uh, the medical team will tell you exactly that because we're not seeing the injuries that were building up last year it was inevitable the injuries were going to clock up last year because so much football all of the football all 90 minutes and the intensity we play at, you know, you're, it's just inevitable you're going to pick up injuries like that. With the squad we've now got to rotate guys, like you're saying, you know, the guy who ran out to pick up the ball, Jota was on the bench and he's not commonly on the bench, but often on the bench because we've got quality throughout the squad to allow a bit of rest for guys like Jota, which is ridiculous. Yeah. We mentioned uh, you and I done the post-match after the game on Saturday and it was a triple substitution of Jota, Jack Amakis and Abada, Abada. coming on. That's frightening, you know, that, and domestically it's streets away from anything anybody can produce. But, you know, Celtic are always, you know, strong domestically, but it just shows you that healthy squad for, for how we're building. No personals on this, but last year that is Jamesy, Mikey Johnson and Adjetti. I knew he was going to see a Mikey Johnson. It's a cheap, but that is a big change, isn't it? In, in the space of 12 months. Because that, that is the three guys you'd be bringing on if you'd kept the same squad as last year. Yeah, but also at times bringing on... Um, Adam Montgomery, you know, yep. guys like that with absolutely with all due respect, talented young guys, but different levels and the quality we're bringing on at this moment in time is is incredible. Actually, Maurice Yen's obviously went off with an injury and you replace him with Carl Starfield, who's effectively, you know, first choice centre half and there's just quality across the board, Muff, uh, you know, throughout this squad. Absolutely. Um, you know, you think back to, to last season, the, the changes you were making. No happy with Forrest being caught down there. And, and I'm not happy with John. It was just that point. <laughs> no, and no. it was true. Um, even even at times, I think Owen Moffat was getting, he, he got a couple of yeah. those He came on the cup final, I think, didn't stuff he? And playing you know? Ross County. So, you know, that, that that's, we're just light years away for that. And, and again, that's no disrespect to the guys that, that did step in last season. They obviously played their part. Um, but if, if we want to get better, that, I think that was made clear in the summer or prior to the summer by Beaton and Rogic we moved on um, that for me was a bit of a watershed moment to say look we know we know we need better yeah yeah changing of the guard type stuff wasn't it guys it had been around for a long long time good servants to the club but it was time for something new and that's what we're seeing um, moving from domestic into the, the European side of things so last season we finished third in a Europa League group which contained Bayer Leverkusen Real Betis and Ferencvaros that sent us into the Europa Conference League where ultimately we lost to Bodo Glimp over two legs in February. This season, we qualified directly for the Champions League as a result of winning the Scottish Premiership and found ourselves in that group with Real Madrid, RB Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk. And as we know, across the six games, we fell a bit short. We only managed two draws and four defeats to finish fourth in the group. 
However, James, despite that disappointment, how would you compare the European campaigns between this season and last? Is it all about results or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, as, as Biff said, I think Angie's educating us as, as Celtic fans. You know, we're, we've been results driven our whole lives as Celtic fans. It's all about the result. And it's not, you know, under guys like Tommy Burns and stuff like that, it was great to watch football. But, you know, at the end we didn't win. It was the draws that killed us and all that kind of stuff. The result was was the thing. Under Angie's both, of course, we've got to get the result. But he's really pleased if people go out and perform. And if you win 3-0 and you perform terribly, you'll be feeling it in training on the Monday morning. So... There's a bit of kind of education within ourselves for that. I'm delighted um, with the levels of performance we've stepped into this year. Yeah, you're completely correct in, in that statement. And just performance led myth. And if you perform well, the result will come rather than just, you know, going hell for leather just to eke out a one a win. He wants to win, but he wants to do it in the right way. And it's it's all about the performance for him. The guy sits six on Saturday. And he was like, get the ball in the corner. I was like, he's not going to do it in the last 10 minutes. It's never going to happen. No. Nah. It's not how Celtic play. No, that, that, you're right. And, and that's, I think that's part of the education part of it is we just need to accept that that's the way, that's the way Ange wants his teams to play just to keep going for that next goal. Um, and it's been, it, for the most part, it's just been an absolute joy to watch. I, I I just love watching this Celtic team. I just feel the bond between the fans and the players is really, really special. Um, it, for me, the performance metric's important because when you look at the results in the Champions League, you think, well, you've been rotten. Actually, that's not true. You, I mean, f- for me, there's been many pivotal games already this season, but if you think specifically the Shakhtar game, when had you last watched Celtic playing away in the Champions League and being dominant? Run the show, yeah. A- absolutely dominant. Should have won. I mean, five clear-cut chances tail end of the game not taking any of them that's our own fault absolutely but f- for me that that was a real a real message from the squad to say we belong at this level yeah yeah I think you're absolutely correct what I'd like to do um, as I'd mentioned there with you lads is for you to pick out either one or two key games so far out of those 23 which you think have really I don't know epitomised this Celtic team or, or kicked us on to different levels so over the 23 games there's been a a number of big performances and a couple where we've we've fallen a wee bit short. I think that's fair to say. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on what you think is is most significant amongst them. And it could be a win, could be a loss, could even be a draw. Whatever game you think is the biggest impact on the season so far. Um, can I pick two? Yes. Did you not hear me explain uh, the rules? Domestically, 4-0 game yeah. against Rangers just because I thought it was a statement performance. And the, the fact that, you know, we absolutely blew... Rangers away to the point where you know games finished at half time you, you could see the dejection in, in their team I think they whilst they would never come out and admit it they knew they were playing against a team that was better than them and they reacted accordingly they just they just had no answer um, European I would I would take that Shakhtar game mm-hmm. that I just mentioned for that exact reason you, you had a team playing without any fear uh, I know James referenced when it came to the finishing. Maybe, maybe that was that was part of it because they were. I think, or maybe even Paddy. I think it was Paddy that mentioned that. Almost like the reason the finishing wasn't coming across so natural was the players realised that they were actually playing at a different level rather than just treating it as as any other game and just doing the things that they would do every day in training or when they were playing in the league. Um, but for me, the most important thing was the intent. 
the message that that sent to us as fans. You know, take, taking results, we PSG was seven one in a in the Stade de France. Um, sorry, Stade de France, um, and we've went to the Bernabeu, Bernabeu, and been beat five one. Now you would say, well, you've been cuffed in both games. However, the PSG game, we, did we touch the ball many times? I don't really think we did. Pretty much had just as many decent chances as Real Madrid have had at home. No took them, which again is our own fault. But that intent, the message that it sends, you know, I know the, the natural reaction, certainly for the press here, is to just pigeonhole both Celtic and Rangers together. They've both had bad Scotland campaigns, like yeah. campaigns, or they've brought shame to the, the nation and things like that. That that's very very disingenuous. Take a step back, watch how Celtic have played, and I personally take a, an immense amount of pride in that. Yeah, yeah, I think a, a lot of fans do, Miff, and, and you've explained exactly why. If you want to just take the um, the approach of just looking at numbers on a on a bit of paper, then you'd say, oh, five one seven one. It's it's all much of a muchness. But if you properly look at it and look at chance creation and just the whole approach to the game, we're a completely different beast. XG. Yeah. Yeah. and it's it's all building blocks you know that what we've achieved this season is for next season you know we'll go further than that next year and that'll be the ones where they've got the confidence and the experience to go on and and I, and I think probably an extra striker as well they'll, they'll finish the chances we were talking to Peter Grant's involved in the mystery set this week we were talking to Miller and he said if we had £150 million for Burnaby eh, for, Burnaby, for eh, Benzema then you're already qualified in that group. So, and that's no harm to Jack and Max and, and Kyogo. Big fan of both. I just think they need a wee bit of help in there. And they were maybe both just a wee bit off form throughout that period. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think we're all, everyone in the room here is huge fans of both of those players. But, you know, it's 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 only fair and right to be ambitious. You want the very best for your club. And if we need to get someone with that bit more quality, I've spoken about Joe Hart. I think he's been amazing for Celtic. But I think if we want to kick on, we could do upgrading in that area as well. And that's just all part of the game, James, and it's just part of the the growth that Andrew's looking for. Um, so yeah, so Miff has, you know, rightfully highlighted some of the European stuff and also the the 4 0 one over Rangers, which was a statement, you know, absolutely. What about yourself? What's been the, the big game or games for you? <laughs> in the interest of air time, I'll just pick one. Um and it's about the the mental strength throughout the team. Uh Tyne Castle, really tough in you to go at the best of times. A lot of guys playing there the first time. You're right up against it. You're losing penalties. You're not getting penalties. You're not getting goals you've scored. And they still went, went and absolutely demolished them in the end, really. You know, so really delighted with the way they performed there. Not just the football, but the mental strength they showed to come back against all that adversity. And it will see them right through the season. Yeah. You say in the interest of your time, have you somewhere to be on a Monday night? Muff just talks a lot. Well, we've got loads of time here, lads. We can chat through. Um, for me, I'll pick out just one game as well. I think... The St Mirren defeat was really important. I think it was a timely reminder for us because it, up until then we were absolutely cruising. We were winning pretty much everything in front of us. We hadn't really got into the European campaign. And I think it, to the point you made, James, it just gave us that reminder that there's still work to be done here and we can't get complacent and kick on. What is wrong, Miff? We'll take the game, we get beat. Uh, listen, I keep Win saying it. I, Exactly, James. One or learn, Miff. Have you not been listening to anything? That's how I enjoy it. That is the point of nonsense. And it West <laughs> West End nonsense. <laughs> uh, I said at the time of the Rodgers PSG games, I said you went away from them sick because you couldn't learn anything from it. You just knew you were miles away and millions away from these games. We've really, you know, we can and we have learned, including St Mirren. 
Thank you, James, for the backup. Um, final section here is as we you know take a, a general look at the the twenty three games so far. I want to look at the key players and you know who's played the the most important roles there. And first of all, to do so, I'll take a glance at uh, appearances. So top five appearances at the club for this season, as you would expect, Joe Hart's in there. He's got twenty one appearances. All twenty one of them are starts. None are off the bench. Dies in Maeda. This is interesting. He's got more appearances than anybody. 23 appearances for the season, i.e. he's featured in every game, but only 13 are starts and 10 are sub-appearances, so it's an interesting make-up there. Uh, Matt O'Reilly, we've covered Matt O'Reilly um, a wee bit tonight. He's got 22 appearances, 21 starts and just one sub-appearance. That shows how important he has already become to this Ange Postacoglu side, regardless of the Callum McGregor situation and the fact he stepped in there. Uh, Matthew will be pleased to hear that Leah Labada is also high up there. He's got 22 appearances but it's an absolute split. 11 starts, 11 sub. But you'll also be happy that Greg Taylor is high on the list. He's got 20 appearances, 17 starts and three subs. So, I mean, those players, you know, for a variety of different reasons, they play such a huge part and and it bears out in those stats. Absolutely. Um, None more so than Greg Taylor. I I think he has been phenomenal for his start of the season. Um, Interesting what you say about Maeda, someone, you know, lacking technical ability, featuring in, in every game, quite an interesting viewpoint for the manager <laughs> there. Um, Shots but, fired. But, <laughs> uh, no, they, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's very obvious why why the manager likes Maeda. Industry, you know, taking the game to the opposition, defending for the front, all, all those types of things. Clearly a very, very fit guy as well. And I think the point in O'Reilly I would really highlight about those um, 21 starts is the difference in O'Reilly's fitness this season comparative to last season as well. You can see that's an area that, that's really improved and, and has allowed him to flourish this season because he's he's played such a pivotal role for us, especially in the absence of Callum McGregor recently. So um, I mean that, that shouldn't be for, forgotten. All those stats that we've thrown about up to this point to do it without arguably a, probably our best and most consistent most important, player. anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is, is unreal. So uh, yeah, I, those guys have been pivotal and, and, and Abada continues to be just that absolute conundrum of, of a player you know he, he, sometimes you're like be man what you're doing then he just does something absolutely magic the next minute and he pops up with a goal pops up with an assist just an absolute maverick his, his finish last week against Dundee United was sheer class yeah. you know the, to make it 4-2 he's then had a brilliant chance on Saturday where him and Jota have played a 1-2 Jota's back heeled it into his path he's about seven yards out with a whole goal and it hits the rank side of his foot and Aye, screws it away. Where's out. his right foot there? Yes, he was left and it's it's yep. about it's a good four or five yards past the yeah, post. But yep. It's exactly what Miff's saying. He's just he's got it all in his locker. Um but, but it's great to have him there doing his thing. A really interesting one for you, James, in terms of the appearance stats. So Georges Jackamakis, twenty one appearances for Celtic so far this season, only seven starts, fourteen of them are off the bench. Kyogo, twenty appearances, but seventeen starts and only three off the bench. And if you're ever unsure who Angie's number one striker is, then that tells you. I don't think there's any debate on that. I think, you know, Ange sets his football out to suit a player like Kyogo. Um, even on Saturday, you saw some of the, the slick pass that was going on and it, it got him through for his one-on-one. That, that's Ange's football. You know, we can play it lots of different ways. We can play it to ways that suit Jack Amakis, but his go-to is fast passing, intricate moves and slipping in your, your striker. And that's Kyogo all over. Yeah, Maf's mentioned a couple of guys had the big impacts: Greg Taylor, Lee Alabada. But who's been who's been your player of the season so far? So those lads that have been mentioned: Carter Vickers. He's obviously had some less appearances due to his injury. Hitati, man of the match on on Saturday again. Who's the main guys for you so far? 
it's hard to leave a tattoo out, it really is. Um, I would say there's, there's, there's three. Uh, I'll put them in three, two, one order. Um, just to watch your airtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt O'Reilly, uh, just for his versatility. Sorry, coming in at third, coming Matt O'Reilly. Third, Matt O'Reilly. Yep. Versatility, responsibility, taking leadership for that McGregor-type role. Um, performed so well. Uh, under a lot of pressure. It's like Dr. Fox doing the charts back in the day, Miff. In it too, James? In it too. GT3. GT3, yeah. He's been outstanding. Um, and this time last year, I'd have punted him. You know, really would have. Just was, wasn't a fan. Didn't think he was adapting. His fitness levels are ridiculously higher. Yeah. I think the way he gets up and down the pitch now, the way he inverts, and it's, it's good having that Something slightly different in Burnaby, but also a bit of pressure for competition for him. And I think that's really helped his game. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's certainly really focused in a kind of Ralston way. You know, he's just, he's, he's on it. Um, we haven't, for in at one, in new, at one. new entry. Um, and we haven't seen half of him yet, Aksabanovic. Ah, really? Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. for, you're, you're only now starting to see what we could do. We saw him like 15 minutes, was maybe even Shakhtar was at his debut. Shakhtar away. He, he got a start away to Shakhtar, I'm sure. So no Real. Did they not come off the bench against Real? He maybe played a, a league game or something. He was due to play Living against still. Livy. Um, no, it was it Ross County League game? Ross County League game. Yeah. When it was his cameo, remember? Yeah. And even just in that wee cameo, like, oh, there's something there. And we're seeing more and more each week. The goal they scored on Saturday is outstanding. Um, we haven't seen half of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think... Saturday's finish was, there's only a certain amount of players that can do that, Miff. I don't know if you've listened to the post-match. You should have, but you probably haven't. Um, Busy man. <laughs> myself and James are discussing it. Again, the post-match is always taken from what we see at the game in real time. And I described Haxabanovich's goal as a toe poke because I, I didn't quite see the class. And I didn't see the, from where I'm sitting, it was impossible to see the, the curve on it. I've since watched the highlights, of course I have. And the, the pause are up, Miff. I've got that all wrong. It was, I, I thought it was a good finish. It was a phenomenal finish. It wasn't half, and um, even from I was at the other end of the ground, and I could see what a classy finish it was. Um, but bare angle, yeah. Listen, I, I think James is right. He's just a player, and I think with a bit more bedding in, settling in, still to do. You know, you remember many appearances with you've had maybe about twelve, thirteen, something like that. Um, a bit of time spent with the team down in Oz, as Ange has said. Um, yep, I think he's got the, get the speedos packed, the big man. Um, bit of time spent down in Oz, a bit more time spent with the team, bit more time working with the team. You know, it's, it's a frightening thought to think he's got to come back just even a wee bit sharper than he's already left. So, a, a player I just love watching. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's been great to see. I mean, so it's, it's quite a, an out there pick as a, a man of the season so far. Are you somewhere different, Miff? Is it, is yes. it Taylor for you? Or? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Greg Taylor. Rio Hitati, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yeah, all of played a huge part. I'm going one, two, three, just to be different. Um, I, I mean, Taylor, Taylor has featured very heavily. He he is the self-confessed, uh, according to the, the Daffabet teammates. thing with him and Turnbull. I watched self, that. Con, self-confessed Mona. Yeah. Um, and I just think he's the, he's the type of guy you need in, in your team he's he's, he's he's played that position that the manager needs him to play both him and, and honourable mention to Ralston for that as well as, as we've done many times in the programme before but I think Taylor just seems to have taken his own personal game to the next level um, Rio Hitati I think we're only seeing a quarter 
mm. what that boy's capable of. And I, I just think he is, he's outstanding. He infuriates me because I, I don't think he knows how good he is. I just don't. I, the, the things that a lad can do on a football park and, and the comparison I'm going to make, I made it in Saturday. I don't think we've seen a more naturally talented footballer since Lubomir Moravchik at Celtic Park than, than Rio Hattati. And, and the reason I say that is just because I get the same feeling when I watch Hattati that I did with Moravchik that anything could happen. You don't know what way he's got to go. You don't know what foot he's going to hit it with. He's just so naturally gifted. That lad, he could be anything he wants to be. You may be saying the same thing. He's only played professional football for like three years. He came out of a uni development programme, didn't he? Yeah, so he had special permission. I was reading about this earlier on. So in Japan, he was given, I think it's called something like special player status, which means you can continue your university studies, but play in the J-League. So he played with Kawasaki Frontale. Um, but he basically had two, two years or just about two years of professional experience before coming to Celtic. So he is still absolutely in the infancy of his career. And to my point, the sky's the limit with a guy like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think you yeah, are right. It's just, you know, we've seen about a quarter of them. The way he pulled that ball at the sky on Saturday. I was, just, I was uh, going to get to it. So Outworth has, has worked for the first goal, which is great. You know, getting it to the byline and cutting it across for Turnbull. He's involved in the one-two for Haksabanovic for the winner. Yeah, the, in the middle of the park, there's a ball coming out the sky. Under pressure. Oh, and he just takes this touch with inside his foot and just lifts it over the guy and just buys himself so much time and it's like Haksabanovic's goal there's only certain players can do some of the things he does and yeah it's exciting to have him here at such a young age and, and who knows where he's going to go yeah um, that is going to be the trick um, is so you need to be bringing in if, if Haksabanovic is the next shot for talking sake then we need to be thinking about who's the next attack and so on and so forth and then eventually the youth team starts to fulfil those gaps as well because there's going to be attention on these guys for sure. I can't yeah. believe he's not at the World Cup. Can't believe that. I know, I know. And there, are, you know, there's obviously he's got time in his hands. I think he's 24 years of age, and he might be somewhere close to his peak by the time the next one comes around. But you'd have to question the talent that must be around Japan. If, yeah, they've got to be an outside bet. If Atati's not going and, and Kyogo's Kyogo. not going, moving on from all of that, um, just a, a, a quick one for you lads. I've got the stats here on who's the most subbed player at Celtic from the season so far. I've got the two most sub players actually off. Yep, who's been taken off most? Really? Uh, Kyogo. Rio Hatati. Uh, well, <laughs> Which he does, is interesting. He, he does tire. He plays such an important part in the team, but he's had 18 starts and in 16 of them, he's been taken off. Matt O'Reilly is around there somewhere. I'll get that stat because I was looking at O'Reilly's numbers as well. I believe my Dr. Fox countdown there was hijacked as well because I hadn't said my bit on Vickers, but it's fine. Feel free. No, no, it's fine. It's gone. Moment's gone, Tino. Moment's fair gone. enough, fair enough. Matt O'Reilly, he's been subbed off 12 times, but more than that, James, you mentioned him there, Kyogo Furuhashi, he's been taken off 15 times from his 17 starts. It's interesting, isn't it? But again, it feeds into this whole thing. It's not It's not about subs at Celtic, it's about yeah. utilising your squad. What I would say there, I've actually just shot my own point down when I said about O'Reilly getting fatter and then said he would be the most subbed. But with, with Kyogo, that... I think that's purely because how how many minutes have Kyogo and Jackamakis spent in the pitch together? No very many. I know he's tried them a couple of times in you know, different games, but maybe three, four games maximum they'd have actually been on the pitch it's at the same time. Two or three. Um, so that that's an obvious one. I, I, I think for me, Kyogo's just earned the right to be the, the man. Um, he just keeps scoring. Yeah. Jackamakis in recent weeks when he's had his chance to come on, has maybe dipped, but then you could understand why, because he was starting scoring and then still found himself on the bench. But I think Ange is very much 
body mind he don't come to these things horses for courses he will pick on that day what he feels is the best team yeah I, th- I think we know that from Andy he's not he's not a a manager that's you know in any way kind of sympathetic to things he picks the best team it's for the birthday bench yeah exactly nah, Greg Taylor that's a way you be just a very small point I know it's a matter of intrigue mm. for you guys possibly for the listeners I, I don't know we'll find out but <laughs> remember, remember there was one somebody in the group chat that still wasn't convinced me Ange just see the whole European campaign it just slightly he's on board it. again where he was questioning things oh, but, making but ma- making it sound like he was still on board but clearly you could see with the things I'd be if that was not for mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and just to let you know he was at that lightning scenes gig the man was there you, you, you have never, seen you, that you're man you're lucky that you, you, you don't want to name the name you've seen that man absolutely not I couldn't I couldn't possibly out him couldn't out him not fair enough out. Um, <laughs> I know he listens and he'll be very annoyed that I've mentioned it, it, it sounds like even if he is that they were a great bunch of lads so yeah. very kind words James um, last point uh, or last stats should I say on the the playing squad so top goal scorer obviously it's a very important metric you're right Maf Kyogo can't stop scoring 11 goals in total 10 in the league 1 in the league cup Second is. Uh, you take too long with these things. Uh, Abada. Yep, Leal Abada. Nine goals, seven in the league, two in the League Cup. Then it's Jack Amakis with eight, six in the league, one in the League Cup, and one in the Champions League, so different levels. And then you've got Jota on seven, five in the league, and two in the Champions League. Big player for big games. The other interesting thing about the scorers, though, is that we've got 15 different scorers, James throughout the squad and that includes guys like James Forrest who's chipped in with five already so how important is that overall that we're getting goals all across the park I'd like to see some stats on that across Europe teams that won their uh, respective champions uh, championships um, that if you spread the goals throughout the team and you have you know potent strikers as well the chance of you winning are pretty high and and that's what we've been doing you know yeah. uh, what was the scorers last year it was ridiculously high like was it not everyone apart from Starfield get a goal last year Starfield got one. He managed to get one. Did it? This, oh, this year? Or was that this year? Yeah. There was, I think it was Starfield, Hart, and someone else. But McCarthy, just but less fringy kind of thing. I mean, player. Uh, anyway, we're spreading the goals throughout consistently, um, and that's just a big thing. And it's, I think it's a big Ange thing as well. Yeah, it's encouraging, isn't it, Muff? Oh, but I think that's like James says. It's a feature of prominent teams. You need to have goals from all over the pitch and. You mentioned there James Forrest coming in scoring a hat trick. Who, who would have thought we would have been speaking about that at the start of the season that he would have been coming on the game or featuring in the game and scoring a hat trick? Ange just seems to have that knack of picking the right players at the right time. You know, it's a sign of a good manager. Yeah, yeah, he knows exactly when his squad's ticking, and that's the thing as well. We've spoken about as fans, we just do not have the data. We do not see what Ange sees. So from game to game, and we'll speculate. We'll talk about you know lineups in our pre-match shows, but. Angie's got all the answers to all the questions and so far so good in terms of what he's been going with this season. Um, so obviously quite a lot of, I suppose, information, stats and different things covered there uh, around the 23 games of the season so far. But just to wrap this section up, can you hear your lads' final thoughts on this first part of the season and also what you think might come of the second part? Well, I'm just very, very happy, to be honest with you. Um, it's been a continuation of, of last season, an improvement in last season, you could actually say. Um, I think more often than not we've really played our football past couple of games towards the, the break I think maybe the, the intense schedule was catching up on the players a wee bit in, in terms of that free-flowing football but I think what also comes with that is teams are a bit more wary of you teams are, are then thinking I mean when you think back to 
the the Ross County game particular ten men behind the ball. They, they never really had any attacking intent whatsoever. So it's difficult playing against that lack lack of space. But and on the whole, delighted with the manager, delighted with the squad, and and feel that despite the exit, there has been genuine progress in Europe. So more of the same, please, guys. Yeah, probably yourself, James. Where do you stand? It's just a. The next phase, you know, we're looking at it season by season, but Andrew will be looking at that as a, a line that reaches into when he's happy with the team and, and it's, you know, challenging and winning any game it comes up against. And that might be next year when we step into the Champions League because we know we can now take the games to these these teams. It's just a matter of finishing them off. So, and you go back if you want to. No, 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 no. You've, you've, you've done it now, so. No, no, it was involuntary yeah. movement. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's, it's just that that progress that the, the Biff is, is talking about there's going to be something interesting happens within the next two months which is the next evolution of our education as Celtic fans under Ange so we're learning performance over results we're going to learn that the talent is going to move on and it's got to rotate with the new players coming behind that I think we'll lose at least one in January mm-hmm. um, a big one like Juranovic type player and I think two or three, maybe four others will come under serious pressure with offers and we'll be having to make decisions on not now if we can get away with it. Yeah, we've we've seen a lot and experienced a lot under Ange in what year and a half or so he's been in, but we've yet to experience losing a, a fan's favourite. You know, guys have moved on and we're, you know, Chris Julian and, and various other periphery players have, have now left the club. This will be the, the test of, of the trust between Ange and the fans as well. But, you know, I think generally speaking, we in this room would be in agreement that if Ange thinks it's okay to move somebody on, then it's okay. He won't move a player on if it's going to set him back to where we were against Leverkusen away last year, where the, the chasm between the player coming off and the player coming on is, is that vast. If he's got cover, or if someone has gone from where they were two years ago to where they are today, Tony Ralston, then he's comfy. We need to just watch that what's behind Ralston, for example, you know, who's who's covering that, um, that that gap. So only if he's comfy, only if Ange is comfy with that, that gap, will it happen? If I'm just comfy, you're comfy. Always. Chasm. Like it. Superb. Super. No, no, still. Small word. Big, Big impact. Yeah. So, as I say, over the piece, I think we've all agreed that it's been a, it's been a wee bit up and down the 23 games, particularly with regard to the, the European involvement. But I think, by and large, we're in agreement here that, you know, it's been wholly positive and, and we can only now look forward to the second part of the season. So the guys will get a, a good, I'm saying a good break. They're obviously playing a couple of games down in Oz, as you say, Muff. Um, we we play Sydney FC on Thursday at 8.45 in the morning, by the way. Lovely. Get, getting up for that and taking a day off. Half day at work because I'm, I'm watching the Sydney <laughs> Cup. Uh, and on Sunday, it's even later, earlier. Depends how you want to look at it. Is it 3.45 in the morning? So rather than get up early, it's just stay, stay up late. <laughs> is, it, is that a Sunday any Sunday morning? Yeah, so that's that's a, a challenge, Muff. If you can stay up to 3.45. Do we know who's broadcasting? I've no idea. Celtic TV, I've got it. Yeah. Um... And there are other ways to watch it. <laughs> so, but, uh, moving swiftly but, on, but, but only use Celtic TV. Yeah, but you know, great to hear the you know the thoughts that you have on the the twenty three games so far. And as I say, exciting times ahead throughout the rest of the season. We now move on to this week's mystery cell, but before we can do so, we need to briefly revisit last week's answer as some listeners have raised an issue with one of the clues that I gave out. So what I'm going to do, first of all, lads, I'm going to give a recap here and we can you know, see if we can clear this one up between us. So clue number one last week, I played in the game where George Cadetti made his Celtic debut. Clue number two, at one point I was part of the coaching team at Celtic. 
And clue number three, and this is the one that's caused the concern among some of the listeners, I've won four Scottish Cups with Celtic. So some say this player only has two medals, having only played in the 89 and 95 Cup finals. Miff James, I'd usually lean on you lads for your Celtic expertise, but this week I'm cutting you out. I'm going to the very top. And who better to ask for clarity on this one than the very man himself? Peter Grant, welcome to the Celtic Exchange. It's a pleasure, guys. Great to hear from you. Great stuff, Peter. Thanks for coming on. So, yep, as you'll have heard there, the uh, the listeners have been at me this week. So we put the questions out on social media, and I need to say I've been getting a bit of grief about the the Scottish <laughs> Cup medal. So, could you clear that up for us? So, obviously, you were very much, you know, part of things in eighty five, eighty eight. 89 and 95, but you tell us a wee bit about your involvement there and, and the medals that you did pick up. Yes, I can. They're, they're correct when they say two, not four. And I keep saying that to people. Because... That, that's, that's not good for me, Peter. That is not helping me. <laughs> and the reason being, because the 85 one had obviously not been long in the team. But then with an injury issue, um, the build up to the match, and Big Roy Aiken had the actually got him get an injection in his back. And Big Pierce O'Leary played. Um, and uh, going on the bench I think in the match I'm not sure if we think Bigger actually started it and as I say Pierce O'Leary went on the bench in that particular match and on 88 obviously missed the cup final because of my I broke my foot uh, about three weeks prior and missed the semi-final and the final actually in Big Billy <laughs> to be fair to him that game on and uh, I got my stookie off on the, t- <laughs> the Tuesday morning we put a practice game on the, the Tuesday night to see if I'd be fit for the cup final <laughs> but I was still hobbling you know because I'd just come out the stookie obviously and wasn't fit for the 88 cup final so because I'd been involved in all the games leading up to both I think that's where people obviously say you were part of it and whatever but as I said no I was always one that said no I'd only get two two winners medals because that was only two games I played in and that's the only way I looked up on it no matter if I'd played them all the minutes prior I think when you play in the cup final you've, you've got to play in it and I know that's a bit unfortunate at times but that was the way it was You're an honest man Peter uh, as I say not doing me <laughs> any favours at all but uh, fair enough Peter if, you, if you're keen we'd love to have you stay around just for five more minutes as we do this week's Mystery Cell um, No problem See what you can test your knowledge after all these years but this one's got oh. a, a, a wee bit of a World Cup theme about it so we'll see how you guys fare We've been doing this for about four or five weeks Peter and the boys have been lording it over me they say it's five <laughs> not like them so I've made this one I've made this one quite tricky um, so we'll see how you go so I'll crack on with this week's clues so clue number one I've played in a World Cup quarterfinal anything from you two lads well I know Henrik definitely played in the semi-final I'm saying nothing Peter I'm not going in the first guess I'm not going <laughs> yeah. in the first call I'm not going <laughs> off first Miff doesn't want to come at himself I'm James, James is call. James is looking a bit puzzled clue number two including caretaker managers I played under four managers during my time at Celtic so I know that doesn't give much away that is a wee bit it's 90s anyway. <laughs> you sure it's not me? <laughs> <laughs> two in a row, Peter. I've, I've got two Scottish Cup medals. No, it's not that. <laughs> Tommy Coyne. Tommy, it's not Tommy Coyne. Last, last clue, Peter. Uh, so clue number one, I've played in a World Cup quarterfinal. Clue number two, including caretakers, I've played under four managers during my time at Celtic. And clue number three, I'm two months younger than Peter Grant. So I don't know if you want to give away what age you are, Peter. I'm sure folks can... Ah, well, Mike I'm McCarthy. 57. 50. I'm 57. If I've got it right, so, Peter, you're 30th of August 1965, is that right? That's correct, that's correct. So this fella was born a couple of months prior to that. Eh, sorry, a couple of months after that. No Mike McCarthy. Daddy Stovchik. 
It's not Dovchek, it's not Mike McCarthy, it's not Tommy Coyne. No, not- but I'll tell you the period of being a wee Frank, God rest him, Frank Connor, Lou McCarry, yeah, Tommy Burns. Pat Bone? No, he's not younger. Oh, sorry, any offence, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Chris Morris. It's not It's not Chris Morris. I don't know, I don't know what quarterfinals he might have got to. Was he with Ireland? Ireland, in the- I, he was Ireland, Ireland yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's the angle I'm going for. It yeah. must be an Irish player. No, nah, I think he has that. So what I'll do... They will weep this out, Peter, so the listeners have a fair crack at the back, Peter. But I'm going to reveal to you, lads, uh, who the answer is. So. No, 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 you're no. Just give me another <laughs> minute. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> M- Miff takes this a bit seriously, as you can hear. The segment's over, Miff. <laughs> Don't start what with that segment. Down there? Right, yeah, no. My lad have been What I can do if your lads is elaborate a wee bit on my clues. Go on, then. So I've played in a World Cup quarterfinal. That was in the 1990 World Cup. And it was against Germany. That is correct. So that's oh. it. But he doesn't get that one, Peter, because I had to give him the extra clue. Away, away, away. <laughs> so on. That's definitely on. that's definitely one for oh, me. Well. I didn't know he played under caretaker manager of that as well. But you're right. so exactly. John Barnes, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Joe Venglos, John Barnes, Kenny Douglas, and then Martin O'Neill. Um, uh, and he was born. Sorry. Oh, do you know what? I've made a wee bit of an asset. He's two years older than you, Peter. He was born in June 65 in your August. But listen, older, younger, two months is well, two that, months. That, that, that negates So listen, thanks again, Peter. Brilliant to have you on. Thanks, thanks for taking Cheers, part Peter. in everything. And we'll hopefully, pleasure, hopefully speak to you very soon. It's a pleasure. All the best. Hope it goes well. Cheers, man. Thanks, Peter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And if you know the answer, if anyone at home knows the answer to this week's Mystery Celt, tweet it to us at Celt Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Celt. So thanks to Peter Grant for joining us there this afternoon. Some brilliant stories there from his time at Celtic, ranging from cup finals and dressing room bust-ups and, and you name it. Some really great stuff. So if you want to listen to the interview with Peter in full, you can do so at the Celtic Exchange Plus uh, by logging into the celticexchange.supercast.com. So yeah, be sure to check that out for the interview with Peter Grant and all of our back catalogue of extra shows. Each week as part of the new format here on the weekly show, one of the team will pick out something of interest that they've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners. This week, James, is something else for us. James, what have you got? It's an interesting one, and he's a guy that uh, he kind of splits Celtic fans... Um, like, dislike, all that all that kind of stuff. Craig Bellamy, he was on um, actually a really interesting podcast called the Central Club Podcast. And they work with people and they typically look for people who've come from overcome adversity, whether it be addiction issues in their kind of younger years or, you know, homelessness and things like that and give them a bit of exposure, hope. You know, these, these kind of things. So really, really worthwhile podcast, the Central Club podcast, well worth checking out. Yeah. And they interviewed Bellamy about his time as a footballer, start to finish now as a coach with um, with Burnley. Um, so at Celtic, how many appearances? So I know he was only there for half a season from January 05 to the end of that season. I don't know, uh, 18? He was injured for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, I think that's been a part of his career, actually. What would you guess be? 12? Well, 12 appearances. Nine seven goals. Seven, seven, seven league goals. goals and two cup goals, I think he's yeah. got. And I think three of the goals were against the United. He scored a hat-trick. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and he was there at a season that was troubling, mm. to say the least. And he was there at the the death of the Seville team, if you like. That was at the last under Anil and all that kind of stuff before Strachan comes in. Um, Celtic wanted to sign him. He wanted to sign. We couldn't make the finance work. He thinks he went to Blackburn for three million. 
transfer market says seven and a half million. Uh-huh. So something's gone missing in the tax the tax return there. I tell you what's interesting there. So that was at a time. So he quite in a quite a high profile way he'd fallen out with Graham Soonis at Newcastle, which is what led to him getting the loan move to Celtic. Um and I think the fact that he said he was keen to go to Celtic didn't go down too well either. And <laughs> not to uh, throw mud at anybody, but there was the whole thing about Boomsong? Alan Boomsong going from Rangers to Newcastle for eight or nine million. Eight million. And then kind of fell off the end of the earth. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that guy. Went to Rangers for nothing. Went to Newcastle for eight million. And, and then di- disappeared. disappeared. So not to say there's hooky and stuff going on between Newcastle and Blackburn, but there is. Soon as there's an EBT. Mm. Work it for yourself. Um, so Celtic couldn't afford the the money for the, the transfer. Whether Newcastle would be difficult about it, we don't know. Celtic could, could afford a loan and... Bellamy and Celtic tried to make that happen and it just didn't, didn't get there kind of thing. So obviously we lost the league and goal difference um, and it was just, it was a, a tough, tough time. I thought he was a brilliant player, but you're not a big fan. Of... Just, I don't, I don't. I, I, is it timing? Is I, it I, the whole attitude, attitude? I loved him. I loved him when he was there. Um, I just think he's, I, he's, his attitude, even after leaving, you know, the way, the way he conducted himself in different different clubs think his team at Liverpool as well um, I, I just don't think he came across very well albeit that you know everybody he speaks so well about the club speaks so well about Ange um, you know pretty surprised to hear him speak like that to be honest with you because I always thought he was somebody that kind of spoke down about his time at Celtic and previously that, that would be the first time I've, I've heard him speaking in such positive terms about it. yeah and that's that's part of this um, this recording James I think it's fairly long, I think it's the best part of a couple of hours, but he speaks for about 10, 15 minutes on Celtic specifically. And he raves about Ange, first yeah. and foremost, talks about, you know, just the club have got something special here in this guy. He's also very up to speed in the results. He was talking about, you know, we lost three out of the first six games last season, oh, yeah. talked about this season. So some guys say the right things, grab the headlines and, you know, put out that they're still in touch with the club. Um, it seems he's got a genuine interest in what's going on at Celtic. Yeah, and he spoke about, you know, I think it was a Liverpool fan as a kid and stuff, and there was a kind of the "You Never Walk Alone" link and Kenny Dalglish. So he'd, he'd always wanted, you know, to to sample that and sa- sample a game against Rangers if he could. So it wasn't like it came out the blue. This was a, his first kind of knowledge of Celtic. He'd, he'd had an eye on us, you know, from as a, as a kid kind of thing. All players say that kind of thing, but he's shown that it's genuine and by the fact that he still keeps an eye out. There's guys that have come and gone, you know, and they'll never look at another Celtic result as long as they live. You know, I think most players tend to, you know, take something away from Celtic, but some players don't. Yeah. He definitely is one of the ones that, that did. And I think the, the, the reason, I felt he was quite indifferent after he left. Um, however, the, part of the reason for that, I loved him so much when he was there and you see the genuine emotion when he scores at Ibrox, the yeah. genuine emotion that's in him. And that's probably the reason why I was always quite, and like, no, I, I wasn't too happy with him when he left because I felt he was somebody that did get it and then I felt he was quite dismissive after he left Spond. there is a great picture when he scores Ivor he's just in front of all the, the home <laughs> they're, fans they're baying for blood oh, aye, aye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like where's Wally you just, you, you're just looking around and you're picking out some of the sore faces it's it's an interesting one Um, I, I mean in terms of Bellamy as a player he was just he was of a higher quality yeah. and it showed that when he was here albeit yeah. just for the short space of time he's left you know from from the loan spell at Celtic, gone down to Blackburn for a time, then signed for Liverpool. Big move. And didn't, didn't set the heather light, but signed for Liverpool, West Ham, and I think it then went to Man City for fourteen million. So was that then? you know, he was he was at some big clubs, you know, 
putting in some big performances. That that's that's what I mean. You know, when you think um, was it not him with the golf club with John and all that that type of thing. So, um, but undoubtedly at, um, at City, he, he was he was part of that kind of revolution that made Man City better. You know, from from being the the sort of underdogs with lots of money to actually being a, a team that, that started winning things. You know, so mm-hmm. listen, there's absolutely no doubt in his talent. Um, was a talisman for for Wales, um, in his time playing internationally as well. Just a career dog by injury, he always mm-hmm. seemed to have a, a bit of a bit of trouble, hamstrings and things like that. But uh, absolutely no doubt in his talent. Yeah, didn't realise it was as low as twelve games, James. So 12, 12 games, yeah. nine goals, and one Scottish Cup. He played in the final against Dundee United that we won one 0 thanks to Alan Thompson's goal. Yeah. If he had stayed, and O'Neill left, Strachan came in. Imagine the two of them in the same dressing room. Couple of fiery Fireworks. temperaments, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was best for all concerned yeah. that we have done. So, listen, as always, we'll link to the interview in the show notes for anyone that wants to check that one out. It's another interesting one, and it's a uh, it's a guy who had a decent impact in his short spell at the club. So, one for checking out. Um, as we mentioned, so Celtic are off to Australia this week to take part in the Sydney Super Cup. So, as I say, they've got Sydney on Thursday morning, eight forty-five, and then Everton on Sunday early early bells at 3.45am we'll be providing an episode after each game on the Celtic Exchange Plus and James it'll be interesting to see what Ange does out there in terms of who he maybe gives game time to maybe Abel guards and Gucci and, and guys that we've not seen much but he'll also want to go back home and, and prove a point and, and show his team at their best it's two wins first for Ange development will come after sorry James two big performances followed by the results. That that result in wins. Um, he's not coming home without a trophy there. Can we come back to Australia and, and not performing? The big guys... Is it not already called like the Ange Super Cup or something? Yeah, it's, I, it's kind of created for him, isn't it? Seeing the post-match, which you haven't heard, Tino called it the Ange Memorial Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> GBNF. <laughs> Ange, what a hero. <laughs> the Ange Memorial Cup. <laughs> yeah, Matthew, we're looking to prove a point. Listen, he's not. He's he's just been inducted into the Socceroos Hall of Fame. I think that was announced last week. He's an absolute hero in Australia, not only from a what they would call soccer point of view, but just from an all-round sporting point of view. He's so well revered, so well thought of, and he'll be proud to take this Celtic team back over there and, and show exactly what we're about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, he'll be doing well to be as revered as he is over here mm. but by us, but by all accounts, he seems he is back home. So us, I think the big man deserves his, his moment. Yeah, yeah, I think he's earned it. James, we're sitting in a great position at the top of the table and we can now enjoy it over the next few months during the World Cup before we then get back to it, as I mentioned, on the 17th of December. But what's your final thoughts at the moment? Any time where there's a there's a break, you know what we're like. It's you're kind of counting the days. Um, I mean, I was I've already been looking at the kind of four fixtures we've got this side of of the new year, um, and they're going to be interesting themselves, you know, because there's going to be a lot of rest for the players, time to kind of recuperate, a lot of development on the training ground, a lot of intense time on the training ground with Ange that you know you don't always get when you're playing, you know, twice a week and every every three four days. So interesting to see who you know raises their head above the parapet and starts to establish himself as a, a first pick, be it Abelgard or others. And then furthermore, going into the new year, who's the new guys? Who's the gone guys? Yeah, I mean, we know there's Kobayashi, by all accounts, already a done deal from Japan. And Ange has said that to a huge extent his, his January work is done. Mm-hmm. So it seems that you know a number of guys are, are already good to go. Interesting you talk about the games that we come back to. So I think that first game in the 17th were away to Pataudry. Yep. And they've found a bit of form. They were poor against Rangers in recent weeks, but they're 
comfortably in third position in the table now, I think. That's a tough one to come back to. Does that overlap or underlap the World Cup final? Is it, I think the World Cup finals are around about the 18th or 19th. No, it's, I think it's something like if Japan get to the World Cup final, then they won't be back. But it's travelling time, I think. Mm. World Cup final's not the Sunday, is it? Aye. So you're correct, it's a Saturday. Aye, so I thought it was maybe Sunday the 18th. I mean, that, I, I, that, that seems badly scheduled. An Aaron Moy inspired Australia could be in that final, James, or or the, the technically ungifted Dyson Maeda, if he could have driven Japan to global success. Possible. 17th, Aberdeen 17th. Yeah. December. And World Cup final 18th. Nicely run, SFA. Anyway, uh, Miff, the first ever Winter World Cup's just about here, and that in itself is going to be quite a unique experience. But what's your thoughts as we now head into that? On that World Cup? Not really, just generally about Celtic. But yeah, give us some World Cup chat. Oh, shambles. Absolute shambles it being organised when it is, where it is. Have any of you lads a, a slight segue? Have any of you watched FIFA Uncovered yet on Netflix? Started last night, actually. Uh, it's incredible. The corruption at FIFA, you know, based around the Qatar World Cup and all other World Cups, is off the charts. Going back to like Argentina. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, very unique World Cup, I think it's a strange one where it is. But I mean, your thoughts beyond that about, you know, Celtic yeah, well, and where we stand? Well, it's created this kind of mid season race to, to this point, which yep. I think has helped us maintain momentum through it. Um, so much so that the momentum we've gathered has cranked up the pressure in Rangers and Rangers, and they've wilted, albeit that they've not had their troubles to seek in, in terms of injuries either. So, um, in many ways, the timing's a good thing because the schedule's been brutal. But I think it's also a bad thing because we were on a really good run and, and clearly our, our closest rivals were, were suffering a bit. So um, it's good. It's good points and it's bad points. Just hope we come back galvanised and ready to go. Yeah, agreed with that. So that wraps things up for another episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to Miff and James for joining me today. And of course, thanks to Peter Grant for coming on earlier too. We'd love to hear what you think of the new format of the weekly show. So please let us know on Twitter at Celtic Exchange, or you can email me directly at tino at theceltichange.com with any thoughts or comments. And if you are enjoying the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really makes a big difference to what we are doing. We'll have coverage of Celtic's trip to Australia for subscribers over at the Celtic Exchange Plus and you can visit theceltichange.supercast.com if you want to enjoy some of our additional content over there. But in the meantime, from myself and the team, thanks for listening and we'll see you again very soon. Podcast Network.